Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and elders who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. Today, we're talking to the motivational speaker, Paul Hensel. Paul went from injured mill worker to international speaker, and he's going to tell you how to use your tragedies and turn those into triumphs. Paul's near-death accident and resolve resulting challenges like learning how to walk again, living in pain, all kinds of things, are what he uses to connect to others and for storytelling. Paul's telling you right now in this episode how to lose your fear of failure and fear of change. All those pains that no one can see, how to talk about them. Silence is a killer and we need to give a voice to the silent, unseeable pains as Paul knows all too well. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Paul Hensel. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love your TED Talk, Silencing Stigma Through Storytelling. I think it captures the unseen pains that so many people experience, and it so quickly encapsulates what happened to you and why you need to storytell. It just captures so much in such a, in 12 minutes. I mean, it really does. So, which has now become your business, storytelling and telling other people how to tell their stories. Because everybody does have a story and it is how we connect as humans. So you want to talk about what happened to you and why storytelling became your way of connection. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much for the introduction. And I hope sharing my story and the strategies that I use to get where I am today will inspire others. So my accident that happened February 2010, and it that day also happened to be my son's 16th birthday. So I was working as a supervisor in a sawmill. The day was very busy, a lot of running around, and I had to unjam a giant log that got stuck. So those logs, you just basically imagine cutting the square part off a log. And so it's, it's just a big piece of wood and they're called cants is what they they're called. Each piece or log, you know, we're cutting lengths from eight to 20 feet, but each piece weighs approximately a thousand pounds. And so this is one of the busiest cuts we've ever done in the mill, like a cant cut because it's very quick. So once this piece got jammed up against a steel beam, created a massive wall of wood in behind it. And I made the decision to crawl into a very tight, confined space because we had to manually free up this cant. We couldn't do it another way with forklifts or other things. So once I was in there, I was in a tight, confined space. Me and a coworker, we jiggled this cant until it was free. And once that cant was free, someone turned on the chains and I was immediately being crushed alive by 12,000 pounds of wood. So I could hear my body cracking, gurgling, and crunching. It felt like my head was going to explode because there was so much pressure. And I remember thinking to myself, if this doesn't stop, I'm going to get ripped into two pieces and die. And then I blacked out. Now, I was unconscious for about 12 minutes, and my coworkers now had to kind of rush against the crock to rescue me 
from this machine that I was trapped into. So once I was finally rescued, I wasn't breathing. Every single one of my coworkers thought I was dead. And right before they were about to perform CPR, miraculously, I started breathing on my own. Now the pain was just overwhelming. So I was rushed to the hospital by ambulance because at that point I was conscious, but I could feel every bump and vibration from the ambulance, like through my spine. Do you still, I'm sure you remember that kind of pain. You remember the ambulance ride and all that? Oh yeah. It was just, it was horrific. You have, I'm sorry, I have to ask, did you have like, when you were unconscious, did you have any kind of white light experience or anything like that? I'm sure people ask you that all the time, but. Yeah, no, I honestly didn't seem like 12 minutes, like being unconscious. And so nothing like that, just like blackout. And then I woke up. And, you know, there was like a lot of panic happening. And I just remember being asked if I could move my fingers and toes. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could. So I thought that was a great sign because I thought, okay, well, I know I'm not paralyzed. Right. And me waking up, even in that immense pain, I kind of thought the worst was over. Like I survived this. But the ambulance ride, the paramedics were panicking. And so I was kind of confused. When I get to the hospital, there was still a lot of panic. I remember being, you know, kind of asking what was wrong with me. And so I was told I had like an anoxic brain injury, a punctured and collapsed lung, like multiple broken bones. But the paramedics and doctors were worried my organs were failing. So that's what their main concern was. And of course, hearing that, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't understand anything like with crush syndrome or anything to do with that. So I just remember being in a lot of pain. There was, again, like there was just a lot of panic happening. And, you know, like after getting into the hospital and, you know, it's kind of like a blur how long all that happened. I just, I remember kind of being confused, having like an immense amount of pain and just something had to change. So I thought like if something didn't change, then I was really going to die. Then the best part happened. I say I was touched by an angel and that's when my wife showed up. So it was her. And from then I had hope now because like I knew I wasn't alone. So that accident, like it was a long recovery. I deal with a lot of invisible injuries. So that's kind of the title around my TED talk is like silencing stigma, but it's, it's those injuries that people can't see. So like having like nerve damage, people can't see that brain injury and cognitive disorder. I explained it this way. It's like, imagine having a concussion that never goes away and just the spine and, you know, the shoulder damage and all that kind of thing that went along with it. Now, also severe PTSD. So that's something else I've had to deal with. Which makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now. So, okay. So people used to tell you, oh, get over it. Did anybody ever say things like that or no? That came because it was a work injury. So it's, you know, it's kind of being told that, well, you look okay. So you're healed or yeah, get over it. And then it's really kind of having to what reprove what's already been proven. So that kind of made things more difficult. How do you prove you have a shoulder injury or nerve damage? How do you prove that? Well, like you're, 
you have all these initial scans and doctor's reports. And then when you're told, you know, like years later, oh, you're healed, there's nothing wrong with you, you look fine, then it's kind of going through the process of getting more specialist reports, like, you know, more MRIs and other things to kind of prove what was already, you know, what was kind of told as what you know, anyway, yeah, what was proven, but when someone kind of says, Oh, now we believe you're healed, then it's kind of going through extra steps to, like I say, kind of reprove that. So now it didn't just end there like, you know, trauma things. So 11 months after my accident, you really kind of realize who your true friends are going through something like that and like who sticks with you and that kind of thing. So I knew a special family growing up. Their home was my home away from home. And their son, his name was Ron. He's like a brother to me and my best friend. And at the time he was in Seattle. Now he was a fireman and he was there to see a football game. So he had traveled to almost every pro sports stadium in North America. So he was in Seattle and he got into the most horrific accident himself. So he was hit and dragged by a train and that ripped his lower body to shreds. So he went through over 40 surgeries, but infection finally took over his body and I saw him take his last breath. So here's a guy, like I said, he's a fireman and he had over 1,800 people at his funeral and he lived life to the fullest. Everybody loved the guy. And I know he would have wanted me to do the same, but now on top of everything else I was dealing with, I had to deal with the death of my best friend. So it's kind of one thing after the other. And then, you know, really from there, it's all the physical injuries that I'm dealing with. Now I was always healthy before my accident, kind of took that for granted, but I took a lot of things for granted. So then it kind of brings me to my lowest point understanding the physical things I can deal with, I will, it's going to take a long time and that's going to be tough. But on that standpoint, like I will do whatever I can do until I can do more because I believed that I didn't survive something this miraculous just to suffer. And I like a quote from Wayne Dyer. He said, if you believe it'll work out, you'll see opportunities. If you believe it won't, you're going to see obstacles. Yeah, that's the whole, whenever you focus on, you're right. Yeah, yeah. that's what's going to grow. And I got to where I am by seeing the possibilities, by really refusing to believe that I went through all this just to suffer. So I'm going to do what it takes to get better. And now it's that mental journey that's the toughest that probably brought me to my lowest point, you know, right after my accident, making me realize, well, I'm not the person that I really wanted to be. I've taken a lot of things for granted in life. And if I'm going to get a second chance, I don't want to go forward like this. So I knew I had to move forward, but that means changing like my entire mindset. And so me and my wife, Jennifer, which like I told you, like I just adore, I would not be here if it wasn't for her. I adore her too. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know you, but I know her. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. That's cool. So we've like over the years, we've now what we call a three apex model of ascension, where we kind of look at three models, three mountains, sorry, that you need to climb. And the first one is that inner journey. It's mindset. And I knew I needed to change mine. So when you talk about mindset, there's like fixed and versus growth mindset. Now, growing up, 
I had a fixed mindset. So being a mill worker, I always thought I had to work a set number of hours to make a particular wage. So I kind of believed that my skill set, what I've learned pretty much stays the same, that I couldn't change in a meaningful way. So I certainly did not believe at times like I could get through this, live a meaningful life. I certainly did not believe for the life of me that I would go back to school, finish my business degree after all this happened. I did not. You got a business degree after this? Yeah. I had gotten my business diploma. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I had gotten my business diploma and I went back to finish my business degree. Now, Doing that, of course, you know, having disabilities sets up a whole number of challenges that I didn't have before, but I did that. So it's like challenging you know, one of those limiting beliefs. And I'll get to that in a minute of like, well, I'm not smart enough, but I proved that. And after that, like if someone asked me, you know, would you ever feel like you could write a book? My answer would have been no. I would never have thought in a million years I could write a book or become a speaker or really the end result, like becoming an international speaker. I wouldn't have thought of that at all. So I needed to embrace change and develop a growth mindset. And after After that, it's challenging, limiting beliefs. So like, I'm not smart enough or I'm going to fail. I'm not good enough. A lot of those, you know, negative thoughts that, I mean, most of us to some degree tell ourselves and I really had to challenge those and prove that those are not true. I heard a really good one on the, I had the, I'm not smart enough forever. I'm the dumb one in the family, blah, blah. And I didn't even have the accident you did, but, and I went to college a little bit later. I didn't go straight out high school. But I have to say at the I'm going to fail. I heard something so good from one of my mentors. I just saw a blurb on Insta yesterday. And she said, it's the number one thing she hears from people. I'm going to fail. You didn't even try. Like, what are you exactly. doing? You didn't even try. Try first and then say, but to not even try and say you're going to fail is something else. I can see it from somebody who had this kind of a incredible injury as you saying, being afraid, but walking through now that like that's powerful when you try. And anyways, well, I I love that. I love people that try and they save through it's through our failures. We get our greatest lessons and and all of these other things. But I mean, we may find out that no, we have to pivot. And that wasn't really our path. And this is our path because we tried. And if we didn't try, we wouldn't have found out that this is where we're supposed to be. And like, there's just so much through just taking the action. It's all about action. But anyway, sorry. No, you nailed it. But also it's like realizing that I was afraid of failure even before my accident. So I can't like, it's like before it's like, I would just make excuses. So I'd let things happen to me. Oh, and- that's that you that's on your Insta. I just saw that on your, I think it was on oh. your Insta. It was so good. It was so good. It was living in the results instead of, it's really instead of enjoying the moment and, yeah. and realizing wanting to be the achiever instead of trying to, I don't know, it was something like that. Yeah, it was, I just saw that one today on yours. It was yeah. so good. Make things happen instead of like, you know, letting things happen to you. So it's for me, it was okay, stop making excuses and take responsibility. So no one is going to make these changes for me. I have to do it myself. Okay, I'm going to give you one more and then I'll shut up. Yeah. But I was taught that God doesn't drive parked cars. I can't sit in a corner and wish away, oh, I wish I was doing this or wish I was doing that. that that's the whole action thing that I can't. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But you talked about like probably one of the biggest fears of most people is the fear of failure. And 
And to overcome that, you challenge your limiting beliefs. I feel like if you have more limiting beliefs, you're going to have more fear, but you need to replace the negative patterns with empowering beliefs. But every one of us have gone through challenges to get where we are today. And we need to look back some of those things we've overcome. And so we've gotten through those. So why now are we, like you said, we're going to give up before we start. Yeah. So it's what is stopping me? And like, we need to first understand that change is inevitable. So I don't know, everybody's afraid of failure because of that change, which is uncomfortable. But that's the one thing that everybody goes through most in life is change. So yeah, why it's fear constant. It? Yeah. Why fear it? Embrace it. But that's another thing of having a growth mindset is embracing growth and change and seeing it as opportunity. And okay, I can learn from this and not just looking at failures because that's just part of it. We've all succeeded through many things. So look at those instances, but then, well, how do we get better though? Is we're going to make mistakes along the way, but it's learning through that, but it's facing like, you know, challenging your limiting beliefs, facing your fears, and then, you know, understanding that you can get through these things and what do I need to get there. So like I said, like replacing negative patterns, you know, one easy thing you can do is like positive affirmations. Or if you're constantly telling yourself, well, okay, I'm afraid of failure or I'm not going to succeed at this. So I'm not going to try. Well then tell yourself the flip of that. I will succeed. Or if, okay, if I do make a mistake, I'm going to learn from that and I'll move past that just like I have many other things in my life. So, you know, positive affirmations. What I did after my accident, I pinned a couple of my favorite ones onto the mirror and that's what I saw every morning, you know, when I got up. So it's kind of like is when you're going through physical, you know, the physical, the mental challenges and everything, give yourself a little bit of hope when you wake up and, you know, see how your day is going to go. Another thing I did is if I had a bad day, I would go to bed and tell myself tomorrow will be better. Now, in the beginning, sometimes it took, you know, a few days of that before I finally had a better one. But you just have to hope that what you're in now isn't going to last forever and it will get better. And what are you going to do to improve things? So I know like after my accident, I had to learn everything all over again, like how to walk and almost everything. So it's baby steps. So for me, I would look at where someone, you know, would tell me, do you want to get 10% better? And 10% doesn't seem like a lot in, you know, the grand scheme of things, but 10%, if you look at it as there's 30 days in a month, if you have three more days in a month that you're going to feel better, would you take that? And back then, yeah. Yeah. I'll, Are you kidding? I'll Most people that. would any now, even now you want three more days of happy. Like, I mean, of course right. anybody would, but also but when, I was taught, we only compare ourselves to ourselves. Like yeah. don't start compare ourselves to anyone else. Like don't compare my insides to your outsides. You don't know what's going on with anyone else ever, ever. Exactly. I remember, like, I, I won't even say, like, just there's so many people, especially living where I live, like, just forget it. You have no idea what's going on in anybody's house. And, and I was taught if we all put our problems in the middle of a circle, we'd all take our own back. And I used to think, nah, no, I want theirs. <laughs> like, no, you do not know what's going on in my life. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, you don't know what's going on in anybody else's life. And so I can only compare where I was to where I am now and see my own growth that way. 
and yeah. that the only way through is through. Like, yep. that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's kind of part of that journey is, you know, knowing you're dealing with the physical, but then, okay, no, it's not just that. It's you're really got to change kind of everything if you want to move forward through this. So that mindset mountain was huge for me, but I would not be where I am today if I didn't change my mindset and climbing that first mountain like ascending through that, it's really given me way more gratitude. So I'm a happier person than I ever was. And that's even before my accident. And like I said, being a healthy person. So I feel like I'm a different person for the better. And that really helped me kind of move on to whatever next challenge was in front of me or believing that, no, you know what? I can do this. So yeah, I can go back to school, finish my degree. I can write my book, get through that and really start sharing my story. So how did you become a storyteller and how did you learn how to tell a story and how could somebody listening know, well, how do I tell a story and how do I not get sick of telling it and how do I know the right way and how to start so someone doesn't get bored because the best part's later and I know there's a lot of questions and all that, but. No, that is fantastic. (laughs) And so that's the second mountain is your message. And the one thing I want to tell people is like, you have to share stories and you talk about this, like, and this is like, I told Jen the first time I ever heard the title of your podcast, 52 Weeks of Hope. I think it's one of the greatest titles of a podcast I've heard in my life. I think it's fantastic. You know, you talk about being vulnerable And I think a lot of people are getting past, you know, vulnerability, but there's a myth out there that vulnerability or being vulnerable makes you weak. And I believe the exact opposite is going to make you stronger. So you need to look at your story or whatever you've gone through and allow yourself to get beyond that, that we all have the power to change our story, that we can change the next chapter in our story. And when you change your story, you change your life. So the first thing is you have to share your story. That's you. That's what's going to connect you to everyone out there and on in different ways that you would and just by talking to someone. So you can't allow yourself to get stuck in your story and you have to understand that this is what makes you, you and sharing those, any story of struggle or challenge, because we have all been through something to get through where we are today. But those are the stories that need to be told. So share that with others because someone else is in your shoes or you could inspire someone else by your story. You literally have no idea who you're going to help with your story. So it's moving past that. And I think right after my accident, going through something I did, but having that miraculous result, everyone wanted to hear what happened to you. How did you survive? So I share my story and I learned that didn't matter who I was telling my story to, I would share my story. Now they would want to share their story in response to mine. It's so so true. There's a magic that happens when you share stories. And I started 
looking more into this. Okay, like I've experienced this, but what is this? And I know there's uh, the researchers in Spain, and it was in a journal Neuroimage. And back in 2006, they determined that when you're inspiring someone to make a new change in themselves, storytelling is the best thing that works. Oh, when that's I good. That, I, I think that's in your TED talk. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. That's and it, really good. It, it brightens me up. But then you look more. And when you're talking to someone, it's just that language processing part of your brain that gets activated, right? Well, when you tell a story, there's seven parts of your brain. So it's every part of your brain that the listener or the storyteller would use when you're actually experiencing all those events of the story yourself. And so that's the same with the listener. Then also, you know, there's more research just recently done by through Brockingham, where it raises oxytocin and lowers cortisol. So cortisol is the- Wow, so there you, know, you the, go. That's the stress Yeah, that's response. the fight or flight, right? Isn't that yeah. the flight or fight? Yeah. So, and who doesn't want more oxytocin? I mean, that's the feel good, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we all want feel good instead of fight or flight. So yeah, that, that right there is a <laughs> reason. Exactly. So if you're trying to reach somebody or share something with someone, share a story. That's the best way you're going to connect and reach them. And I call stories connection magic. And this is why I'm sorry. Now the lawyer part. See, this is why closing arguments always have the story in the beginning. You know, like now we're going to get the jury's attention. (laughs) We're going to tell you a story only the way we're allowed to. So the judge doesn't like bang the gavel, but you know. Yeah. And that's kind of how a TED talk is based. Yeah. It do something right off story. the yep. tell a story, say something humorous. You know, you have like 30 seconds to get the audience on your side. But I mean, the, really the best way to do that is through story because you're going to share all the deepest things, but values and emotions, and you're taking your listener on a journey with you. So when you learn like all those benefits of story, now it's like, okay, developing your story. Now you, you want to do this in a way where you're not going to lose somebody. Now me, me and my wife, uh, we were at big conference and this one lady had one of the, one of the most remarkable stories you could have. And basically what she did is she lost the audience by not having that story developed. So Mm -hmm. you don't need to tell your audience every single detail just the most important ones. So like, for example, my accent, when I first started writing, you know, and, and developing your story, that, that was not, that's not a two, a two minute story that could go on for days, all those details, but you, you don't need to lose the audience with that. So like I was saying, this lady had the most amazing story, but lost her audience because she took 50 minutes to say something that could be said in 10 minutes. So one thing, A tip I tell people is use shorter words. So, you know, instead of using like a three or four syllable word that to treat it like you're, you know, like you're saying this story to a child, shorter sentences and don't, don't share every detail that that happened in, in your story. Just you will kind of want to leave your audience wanting more. So, you know, we kind of, and that's where we kind of created structures to it. And we have uh, a story framework where it's like story teach tool, but I would, another big tip I would tell people is you have to show how you went from a struggle to a solution 
to a result. Like you, you don't just want to present yourself stuck in that struggle because there's so many people are, and that's not inspiring. So what did you do kid to get beyond that? That's what's inspiring. And that's where, you know, share uh, true experiences, be vulnerable, like challenge, challenge your audience, like encourage them. Encouragement fosters confidence. So all those things are inspiring, but take them through, you know, a journey of how you went through struggle or like how you transformed. So for me, I went from tragedy to triumph, how I went from a mill worker to an international speaker. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but I'm telling you, if I can do this as a mill worker with a fixed mindset, you know, like living in fear, telling myself limiting beliefs almost every day, if I can move from that to an international speaker, then you can do it too. And, and you know, don't, don't look beyond that inner journey first and then really don't look beyond what makes you and that's your story. So share that, embrace it and love it. Other people will, will see that in you. Yeah. What strategies do you think someone should use really to get started? What would you, I mean, I can just send them. I'll, I'll have links if for anybody listening. All of Paul's links will be on the website uh, yeah, with we, the show notes and everything else. So the, like, and, and they have so much available. I know that he and Jennifer yeah, we have, have so there's, um, So if, if anybody goes to inspiredinfluencers.com, so www, one word, inspiredinfluencers.com then you go to that there's uh you look in the drop down menu there's free downloads and we have a ton of downloads that my wife and I created so there's a story framework that can really kind of help you get started there's a whole like story academy but there's so many free downloads. So we have like 300 affirmations that can help you. There's mindset worksheets. There's mindfulness work workbooks. Uh, so many things people could take advantage of that. And if, if you want more, you can find it all kind of at Inspired Influencers. So yeah, and we'll have, and like I said, we'll have links for everything on, on uh, the website also. Yeah. So moments when you want to give up, what do you do? What's your go-to? Do you meditate? Do you just talk about it within your community? I know that you guys have a big community. I, I know Jennifer's podcasting community and, and she has the Inspired Influencers, which I'm always like, oh yeah, I have to go over there, which now I can send people there knowing you have all the affirmations and stuff like that. Cause we talk about, and mindfulness, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, on the podcast, what do you do? What's your go-to kind of meditation and mindfulness really worked for me. And I mean, again, like being a, a mill worker, the, the last yeah. thing I would have thought. I'm sure that is, wasn't in your vocab before yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to take whatever it is. I'm going to take 10, 10 and go meditate. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to meditate or I'm going to practice mindfulness. But man, when you're if you're trapped in your thoughts, it can really help you stay in the present moment, but then also understand that there, there's so many negative thoughts we have in the course of the day, but we need to look at those for exactly what they are. They're just thoughts. 
<laughs> so, and it, if fear comes in, okay, like we, we all have that. We all have negative thoughts, but understand it for what it is. We don't need to let that control it, control us. Like, don't let fear control us. Don't let those negative things control us. We have the power to flip that. So whatever works for someone, I would say do that. And if that's, if that's just taking moments to understand or reflecting back to some of the things you've come from or gone through, then that can help you because, hey, if I can overcome that, I can literally overcome anything. And this is just a negative thought going through me right now. But I definitely recommend meditation and mindfulness. It puts you in the present moment and it really kind of helps you understand that you don't have to be, you know, anxious about the future or that you're worried you know, about the past, you can just be in the present moment and breathe or in like when I was, and I, I told you, I took a lot of things for granted, but going out in, in nature or finding something you enjoy, but being present in that and really allow yourself to enjoy that. It's one of the best things in life and don't take that for granted or, or overlook some of the simple things in life that make you happy. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you know, that could be for some people just putting on, listening to, you know, one of their favorite podcasts or listening to music, anything that's going to build their energy or, you know, put on a favorite show, movie, whatever you want. Yeah, dance and, around like and just have fun by yourself. Yeah, exactly, Who yeah. cares? I mean, whatever it is. Yeah, dance around. Yeah, like but putting your feet watching. actually in the ground in dirt or anything like being outside and putting your feet in has been shown to just that. Or to put a smile on your face, just to stick a smile on your face <laughs> will actually also releases oxytocin. You don't have to, you do not have to feel happy. Just putting a fake smile on your face <laughs> will you will actually release oxytocin. It's an amazing thing. I wrote a blog post on seven ways to feel better right now. And that was one of yep. them. I was like, wow, who knew? <laughs> that was why we're all really stuck in the midst of COVID. I was like, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that that's easy. You could do that one. Just, you don't have to yep. mean it. Just, so I, I thought that was really, really something. And there you go. Num yeah. Number one tip you just gave all your listeners and everyone <laughs> I mean, else smile. Yeah. If you can force yourself to smile there, there you go. Now it's also going to like, I don't know. We, we all know smiling is better for you than frowning. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right? But it's sometimes you don't face. feel like it. Yeah. I know yeah. it is better for your face when people go, no, I'm happy. I, and you know that you say, well, tell your face. Anyway, that was yeah. the thing in high you school. Want more <laughs> you want more wrinkles when you grow up or do you want to look happier? I don't know. Uh, take I, don't, I know. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? I think you are a message of hope, by the way. So it's got, I was like, ah, I don't even know whether to ask this, but I ask everyone. I don't want you to be the first person I didn't ask that to. That message of hope is like we can all be who we want to be and you don't have to sell yourself short in anything we have the power to change our story and make it to whatever you want to be but give yourself like don't shut yourself down before you even start so like give yourself, look for opportunities, set goals for yourself, reach higher. And, you know, like really kind of look past, oh, here it is. Don't look at where you are right now. Look at where you want to be. 
Uh, tell yourself that, strive for it, push towards that, and you'll find it. Absolutely. In other words, Father said, try. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because, I mean, that was his message. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. But to, like, do it, do it. Like, instead of just, you know, trying, just actually do it, put yourself out there, and you'll find a way if you, if you want to. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, like life is hard enough. So let's look for, you know, things that are going to get us through. Strive for what we want to do, not what we feel we have to do. And like, be happy. We all have it in us. Yeah, it's all right here. I mean, if that's what if somebody wants to do something, it's right here. Like the universe will open up for you to let you do it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another thing is, and, you know, I kind of talked about uh, three mountains, but you know, the, the third one is monetize. And so you can take like you, you take that inner journey, but you develop a story and you put that into what you're passionate about. So, you know, your business or whatever else you can make money from that. So now I know I do want to mention, this is my wife's area of expertise. She is an absolute genius in this. If you need help in this, there's downloads and, you know, things you can find on her website. She has a download for everything. Yeah. She has. (laughs) I've learned everything. She has. She's a genius. She's created it. So if you need help with it, then okay, you need help with it and put yourself out there, but she can help you. But look, I, I don't know a lot about that. That's her area of expertise. But if you're talking kind of about monetize, I know a few things I did is I, I wrote my book and I networked. So those are two like lead magnets that you can do to kind of put yourself out there. Now, a few just real quick stories. So writing my book really helped because I, one day I I was kind of having a bad day I went with my wife to, you know, a, a meeting anyway, because I was going to MC. I didn't want to go. She had talked me into it and I MC'd that event. I didn't say my story that day, but having my story, having my book, there was a TEDx organizer in the audience. And so apparently she had a spot open and knowing me and my story, uh, she asked if I would fill in. So here's a day, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't feel like going, but just kind of showing up and having something there, like having a book has opened so many doors and so many speaking opportunities. So, I mean, we all have a book in us and don't think for a second you, you don't, I, again, like I'm working as a mill worker and I never thought I'm going to be an author. So you, uh, every one of us has a ton of stories and you can put that in, in a book, you know, and infuse you into that or what you're passionate about. The other thing I mentioned is networking. So one of these, uh, bigger conferences I was speaking at, it's after that is all said and done. It's networking and kind of introducing yourself to more people after that is all done. And by doing that, I was invited to speak at Penn State University. 
and United Steelworkers National Conference. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I'm tired, I'm going to go home, or introduce yourself to a couple people, you never know what opportunity that's going to present to you. So put yourself out there, like, like you mentioned, which I love, be vulnerable, and share yourself. You never know who you're going to help. And or what it can lead right. to. Yeah, you'll 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 help somebody by sharing your story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love feels, this. And it feels good. Yeah. So Helping others always feels good. It does. And really kind of you know, if if people want to write a book or however they want to say it, if if they want to put themselves out there and do a TED talk, you know, it's it's also healing and therapeutic telling your story. There's pieces, you know, like putting yourself out there, you can move past those, but seeing how other people respond to that, you know, that pain or that struggle, cause you made it through the other side. It's, it's fantastic. I, I love that. Yeah. Oh, such a great messages of hope. I'm so glad that you were a guest today on 52 weeks of hope, Paul. I'm just so thrilled you had me. Yeah. Thank you for uh, listening to my, my story, how I made it through. And again, I hope it inspires other people to kind of, you know, look for a, a breakthrough themselves. Yeah, it definitely will. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Paul's messages of self-compassion, walking through your fears and trust, really trusting in the process because it's all a process and we should enjoy it along the way. Be sure to join the Facebook group where we talk about gratitude and healing and reaching your biggest dreams. We are also having a monthly meetup in the 52 Weeks of Hope Facebook group with one of the guests from the podcast leading each month in a different healing modality. September, we're doing a cool breathwork session for you. So be sure to join the Facebook group for September's free breathwork session in october we're going to do a uh, tapping but september 22nd at noon there'll be a live breathwork session so be sure to join in there and if you want to be in the know be sure you're on our email list and that's on the website at 52weeksofhope.com be sure to tune in next week for mary o'dwyer mary heals emotional traumas and releases limiting beliefs through breathwork she's going to tell you how to lower your stress levels feel lighter more energized and have more clarity feel more excited about life she used to be so tightly wound and just this total control freak. And a friend came up to her and told her that she was just not spiritually connected, which completely offended her. That was years ago. And she saw a flyer for a breathwork session. And she went to this 90 minute breathwork session that completely changed her life. Such a great episode. That's next week. Be sure to tune in. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell two of your friends as well as leave us a positive review. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks again for listening. 